Haymaker Coffee Company was established in 2021 to create the best coffee to fuel the underdogs who perseveres, who hustles, and have the give-it-all mentality to achieve their American dream. Haymaker Coffee only roasts top quality, specialty-grade coffee beans resulting in brews that satisfies those who demand every drop from their coffee and day. If you work hard, run hard, fight hard, and play hard, we have your coffee right here. And we're back, Stripe Show Podcast. On a Thursday, I'm your host, Travis Fulton. Thank you for making us part of your day. Thank you for tuning in all week. Hopefully, you got to catch John Wood yesterday, NBC on-course analyst, former caddy of Matt Kuchar, Hunter Mayhem. Some great stories from John. Always love catching up with him. And I've never had a guest tune in from Yellowstone National Park. If you didn't see the podcast, you need to go watch it. He's standing on top of a mountain in Yellowstone National Park. It was fantastic. Uh, Always enjoy talking to John. Some great insight. As I came away from that, Parker McLaughlin, by the way, joining us here momentarily, today's podcast, at Short Game Chef Instagram. Go check him out. One of the best short game teachers in the game. We're going to be diving in, in the simulator here, shortly. So stay tuned for that. But as I, I came away from talking with John and, and thinking about it this morning and his thoughts on Matt Kuchar, you know, and he had nothing but great things to say about Matt Kuchar. And I just, I I always just think to myself and I don't know Matt and I know Matt on the golf course with the camera on his personality. There's a little charm there. There's a needle there. He's funny. But I always just wonder, like, who is Matt Kuchar when the cameras are not on? Right? Who is he? Who is that person when the cameras are not on? The situation in, in Mexico where, you know, he kind of slighted his caddy and didn't tip him uh, accordingly. Now, he cleaned it up in his defense. But who is Matt Kuchar when the camera's off? I think about that a lot with PGA Tour players. How authentic are they? Are they the same person when the camera's on versus when the camera's off? Phil Mickelson comes to mind. I think for the PGA tour, right? When you look at it over the years, they protect the players. I think they protect the players at just about all costs. They don't share suspensions, fines when these players make mistakes like the NFL would. If a player in the NFL, NBA makes a mistake, conduct, drugs, whatever, it's more available to the public. Uh, I feel like it's there's the we 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 kind of get to know the players in other sports a little bit more off of the football field or off of the basketball court or off of the baseball field. In golf, I don't feel like we really get to know the players that much because the PGA Tour holds it close to the vest. They don't share that information. We're all human beings. We all make mistakes. But I always just wonder just how real that person is. Are they the same person when the camera's on and they're on the golf course as they are when they're off? Wonder that about Matt Kuchar, and I think we're learning a lot about those differences uh, with Phil Mickelson. Parker McLaughlin will be joining us here shortly, one of the top short game coaches. We're going to be going through a lot of different things here today in the short game and particularly three shots that you have to have, okay? Three shots, short game shots that you have to have. We're going to go through that. 
We're going to talk about some other things. I'm going to be demonstrating in the simulator. If you're listening, I'm going to articulate it as well as I can. And what I'm doing, if you're watching, you'll be able to see it at Travis Fulton Golf is where we are on Instagram, YouTube, Travis Fulton Golf. Go check it out. Do me a favor with the podcast, subscribe, like, leave us a comment. All those things mean so much. We've got big plans for the podcast into next year. So your support goes a long ways. Next Monday will be a special instruction one. I did two training programs for two swing devices. Golftrainingaids.com is the website. I took two of my favorite devices that I use and I applied a training program around it. We're launching that on Monday. I cannot wait to share that with you. It's very, very cool. And it's great winter training. That'll be on Monday. Before we get to Parker, I want to tap back in here to a Vistar moment. My partners at Vistar Credit Union. The response to this has been fantastic, by the way. Hashtag honor your hero. You can still go to my website and you can click on partners, click on Vistar, and you'll see there where you can nominate your hero. A uh, individual that's been in the military could be a veteran or they're currently in the military. Please go share their story. Some of these stories, I got to tell you, when I read them, they're tough to get through. Very emotional. And I think at times, as we go through our lives, we think about the military at certain points, right? Like Veterans Day. We did a lot of these around Veterans Day. But I think it's important that we bring the military and we share these stories out front every single week because they're out there doing their job every single week and allowing us to do what we do here. So the Vistar moment this week is CW2 Jeremy Stone. This comes from Kellen. Jeremy has served honorably for 19 years on active duty. He has served in Korea, Germany, Qatar, Afghanistan, and Iraq. How about that lineup? Wow. He has performed duties as an AIT instructor and as an observer coach trainer, helping mold soldiers for the future. He has been a loving husband and a devoted father to our young son and daughter. He leads with a smile and believes he works for his soldiers. His soldiers do not work for him. He always says, soldiers want to know that you care before they care what you know. Jeremy Stone, thank you for your service. Vistar moment. Go nominate your hero. Hashtag honor your hero on my website today. On that note, Glenn Fittich, the world's most awarded single malt scotch whiskey, is expertly crafted and made with extraordinary care. Each Single malt is a work of perfection. All right. And joining me now from Arizona, there he is, short game chef. I like it right there. Everyone to see a Parker McLaughlin. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Excited to, uh, you know, get in the studio with you today. Yeah. Congrats on your success, man. I know you've got a lot of cool things going on. Um, you know, the transition from playing to coaching, not every player can do that. Um, but you've been able to transition that very, uh, very smoothly. I know you still play some, but how are you liking the kind of the full-time teaching gig more now? Yeah, I've been, I've been overwhelmed at, at how many people have, have reached out and have wanted to, um, to get better and to learn. Uh, and again, I think pit, like picking a niche 
for me, it's been short game. Yeah. Uh, picking a niche and staying in that lane has been really good. I, I think, you know, I've, I've always been, been great at short game. I've gotten to understand it pretty well. And so I've, I've picked that lane and I've stayed in it. And I think it's, it's been a benefit to me. I'm not trying to go and tell you how to hit driver 320. Um, that's, that's just not, that's not my wheelhouse. So I'm just staying in my lane. And, and I think that's, that's been a, a, a good thing for me. Yeah, I've been in the business probably 22 years now teaching full time. And, you know, as we've went on, the specialization in the sport has certainly gotten bigger and bigger. Um, you know, very seldom now in, in the professional world, do you see someone kind of coaching all aspects of the game? I know there's examples of that. Um, but man, I mean, even when you say coach, I know there's, there's performance coach, someone kind of managing this whole thing for a player. And then underneath that, you have full swing, you have short game, you have putting, um, obviously you have the equipment aspect, you have the fitness aspect, you have the mental aspect. I mean, there's the specialization is, is incredible. And in your world, it's the short game. And, and what I want to do today here on the podcast, and these, these are usually well-received, especially now in the studio here where we can demonstrate it. Let's get into like three shots for the amateur. Um, if we had to kind of just whittle it down and say, you need, you need these three, right? Let, let's start with number one, which I would assume is you got to have one where it's kind of a, of, of a little bump and run. So I'll demonstrate and, and you kind of walk me through the mechanics of, of let's just start with, you know, a putt chip, minimum air, maximum roll, however you want to look at it. Take me through some technique of what you like to see in that shot. Yeah. So you've got two options. You can go with three different clubs to hit those three different shots, or you can use the same club and hit all three shots. It's really up to you. Um, but I would say for the amateur player, let's go with three different clubs and let's go with a seven iron, uh, a 56 degree, and then a 60 degree. Cause I think the three different shots are going to be a low one, a mid trajectory, and then a high one. Okay. So one of the things that I always do at, at my clinics is I'll have people start with even a four iron. And I'll say, this is, this is the, this is the foundation for what we're about to do for our pitch shot motion. If you can understand how to do, how to hit a four iron, then we can move to a seven, then we can move to a pitching wedge, then a, then a sand wedge and then a lob wedge. And so the basis of it is going to start with basically using, using the bigger muscles and, and trying to take a bit of the hands out of it. Uh, so let's, let's say you grab that seven iron and for the, for this particular motion, I want you probably one to two inches closer than what you would normally feel pretty upright, uh, pretty upright with the shaft. Uh, I would, I would throw that ball position off your, off your trail toe. So shaft is going to lean slightly forward. You're going to be slightly closer to it. Um, and then I would say, ideally, what I would like to see is, is a slight draw path. And okay. you match that and you match that up with a, with a face that's going to be slightly closed at address. This is going to really help that ball roll just a little bit. Yep. Exactly like that in there. And, and, and one of the things that I'll even throw in there is, is put your putter grip on there. Yeah. However you, however you grip your putter, grab it like that. It sort of tricks the brain into saying, okay, this is not, this is not a full swing. I'm not going to smash this thing. I got my putter grip on there. I'm going to make a, 
a more of a putting type of a stroke. Yeah, yep. when you go, one of the things I like, Parker, is when you go putting grip, it puts the left wrist in a touch more extension. And with that left wrist like that, that club head wants to get out of the ground a little bit sooner. I right? agree. Versus if I go full swing, let's say I flatten it out and I make the shaft in line, like that, that club head wants to go down longer versus if I go, say, let's go, there we go, this way. And that, that extension just it seems like the ball speed comes off like slower and, and, and people have a better chance to control it versus it coming out so hot. Agreed. And the same, same thing goes with the, with the wrist condition, right? If, if you're going, when you're normal swing and you go further away from it, it wants to work this way versus like I was having you get a little closer to it. Yeah. That, 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 down. that, yeah. that lead wrist is going to get a bit more ulnar and, and then all of a sudden now it takes away some of that ball speed because you can't, you can't hinge it up and then release yeah. it. Right. Yep. Yeah. I think those are, I think those are really important points in that, in the, in the bump and run, like, you know, let that left wrist kind of down this way and then feel the left wrist in a putting grip will naturally be a bit more extended. And I'll tell you that with them more upright, that's a big deal because you've already got, you've already got taken out a lot of that, that, maybe digging sensation that they might be getting otherwise. Correct. And you've already got, you've already got plenty of ball speed because you got a seven iron, right? right. So you don't, you're not looking to create ball speed. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's gorgeous right there. Yeah. All you're, all you're looking to do is allow that seven iron, the lack of loft that's on the seven iron, allow that lack of loft to do the work for you. I don't want you to feel like you got to do a bunch of work with your hands. Yeah. So you're just, you're basically making a putting stroke. And, and this thing is doing the work for you. And, and again, it's, it's helping you stay shallow, helping you just sort of brush the grass and using your bigger muscles. Weight a little left. I would say for this shot that that's sort of the, where the only one I would say around yeah. the greens that I would go weight a little left. Yeah. yeah. So it, the engine would be kind of more your torso. Yep. Putting, like you're just kind of like a small pivoting action with the, with the torso. Yeah, and and obviously, like you like you've already got it. Feet are fairly close together too, right? Yeah. Interesting. The um, you hear different things about ball position on this shot, and like some, I think you know, ball back. You could, and I, I certainly with that ball back, you can get a little bit of more of that draw biased type of sensation, right? Because you know, even in the golf swing, you know, you would you would play the ball back a touch more if, for someone if you're trying to get them to to hit it more from the inside, you might move it up a little bit more if you're trying to get them a little more on top of it and swinging left. So the, the one, the, the always the one thing that I get a little bit worried about sometimes when you play it back is you might get, a, sometimes a player will lean on it a little too much, you know, and then it can get a little diggy, right? Um, would you say to someone, Hey, to chip, it's okay to maybe be middle to slightly back. Or are you pretty, are you pretty, um, strong about having it on the right toe for this low one. I'm, I'm not, I'm not hugely strong on, on it getting outside of the foot at all. Yeah. I think, uh, I think we, I think we sort of went down the wrong path with, um, with getting it outside of the right foot, yeah. um, for a bump and run. I don't, I don't think that's the right way to do it. Um, I think that's a super specialty shot, but yeah. for your standard bump and run, I think it's, it's gotta be, like you said, middle to off the right toe or right heel right yeah. in there is fine. I don't, I don't want a ton of shaft lean here. Again, the more shaft lean I put on this seven iron, 
that ball speed is speeding up, right? I think Shaflin, we can look back. We've learned a lot. We've learned a lot in golf instruction over the years, and it continues. But I think over the years, we've learned that, look, Shaflin was probably overdone, um, you know, in, in trapping it on these short shots. There's times, there's certainly times to do that, right? And you'll see players hit that. But I go back to my youth and thinking about how many times I laid the sod over it um, and using that. And using that shaftling. And what's interesting is, is when you look at this progression of, okay, let's just, let's go back to, let's go back 20 years, you know, kind of ball back, stance open, weight left, shaft forward, right? That's kind of, that was me right there at 16, 17 years of age, right? And just trying to get any relief that I could. So what I would do is I would kind of, my spine would tend to kind of back up. I would, you know, you would see more right bend because yeah, because, because you were trying to add, add loft back onto the club. Cause intuitively you knew you were going to hit it too far. Right. And, 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 and trying not to just, you know, just that one of four, right. Like one out of every four, like, God, you know, there it is again. And then, and then it would just stick in your mind. Like you would fear that shot. And, and so you would, and then that's when, and that's when the blade, yep, and that's when the blade would pay you a visit. Happen, right. Yeah, exactly. And, and so, and that, and that's sort of what I find. And, and, um, all, I, I just, I just launched my membership website at shortgamechef.com. But on that website, I talk specifically about this phenomenon, which is yeah. basically the cause of the chipping yips, right? You yeah. get enough dig, you get enough dig, dig, dig. You have enough bad, bad interaction with turf. All of a sudden you start backing out of it intuitively. You start blading it. Now you got the chunks and the blade, and that's yeah, where the or, chipping yips begin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, you try you try to shorten the radius, and all of a sudden you're blading it. And so to me, that's that's the cause, that's the root cause of the chipping yips is is that bad turf interaction that you've had, that I've had, that we've all had. And now it's like, how do we understand how to shallow that out? How do we understand how to use the ground in your favor? Um, I think. For me, like I've I've just seen so many people. I've helped thirty people out of the chipping yips. Wow! In the in the three years that I've been doing this, uh, this teaching thing, and and so it's it's something that I'm like, wow! I keep seeing the same thing over and over, and it's it's a it's like it's a, it's a it's a bad psychological response to uh, a poor turf interaction. So if we can take care of your turf interaction and and help you understand how to properly interact with the turf all of a sudden some of that anxiety and fear goes away. It's, it's, it's cool. It's a really, it's a cool series where I just sort of help you solve the chipping yips. Let me, let me throw this statement at you. Oftentimes I'll say to players and this resonates, I'll say, look, I'm going to try to create an environment at a dress and a movement where you can control your point of entry and then not worry about the club head digging. Right. Like, like so it's that. like, yeah, so it's like, yeah, I'm, you know, everything we're doing is that point of entry is going to be clean, but it won't dig. And, and if we can create that scenario in your head, then it's like it frees them up to, right, start hitting shots where they don't fear, oh, like there, it might be that one of four, you know, and then all of a sudden that spirals as we know. All right, so you can do that with three different clubs, seven, um, 56 would be for a shorter chip, I'm assuming, right? Where it's like, I just need to nudge it on, not as much roll. Would you yeah. open the face at all in this shot for variation or would you keep it pretty square? 
Well, if, if you open the face, you're, you're probably going to get that, that ball to check just a little bit. It'll still roll out, but I think you would get it to check just a little bit. So that would be one where, you know, maybe you're trying to carry it three, four, five yards and then have it check and then roll out another, you know, 10, 12, 15 feet. Um, so yeah, that, if you want to use a 56 and kind of hit a little bump and run that way, you know, that, that's a good option to open that face up just a little bit. Okay. All right. Let's go to shot number two. So that was our little bump and run. So, all right, that's cool. I'm just off the green. I got it. Now I'm like, Oh, now I'm down in like this collection area, you know, and I can't, I can't bump it cause I'll hit it into the bank, which is not a bad shot, by the way. I grew up Correct. in Northern Idaho, real small greens kind of pushed. I mean, you know, and fearing that lead, like we, we got real good at, you know, into the bank, one, two hopper and, you know, up there to five feet. But sometimes you got to do that. But most of the time, look, I got to get a little more air. I don't need to lob it, but I need the medium trajectory. Yeah. So that, that's sort of your, your, your standard vanilla pitch shot. And that's one that's going to, I'd say, fly either halfway or two thirds of the way to the hole, have a little bit more check, have a little bit more height to it. Um, this is one where we want to engage the bounce. We want to be shallow through the turf. We want to be, like you said, fast through the turf without the fear of it digging. Um, and so I, I would grab a 56 degree or a 60 degree, let's just say 56 for this one. And, and here we're going to get the shaft a bit more neutral. You're going to, you're going to get a little bit further away from it than you were on your bump and run. Um, and I would say neutral would look something like that. Correct. Correct. Uh, I would say ball position is going to be off your left heel. And that, and that face is going to be anywhere from, from square to slightly open. Okay. Slightly open. Position forward up towards the heel. Correct. Okay. Correct. Feet are, feet are again, a little, a little bit close together. I would say like, you know, one club head apart. So if you put that club, put the club, turn the club uh, the other direction and put it in between your feet. Put that again. Yeah. So put the, put the club like, like this way and then put your feet around the club. So like this, like, like bring it, bring it in between your, bring it in between your feet. Bring that club in between your feet and your feet should, your feet should really only be about three inches apart. Oh, I see. Like this. Yep. Yep. I see. Okay. There you go. Perfect. Okay. Perfect. Yep. And, and I would say, and I would say the tendency for, for people that I think um, get into some bad chipping problems is, is when they get the feet too far apart, it's really sneaky. You know, you, you look, you look at someone at setup and you look at Bryson DeChambeau and if he's trying to hit a driver, his feet aren't close together. His feet are like massively wide, right? He's trying to create a wide base. He's trying to deliver a bunch of power to the shot. Now, if you set up to it and your feet are extremely narrow, maybe even touching, I would look at you and I'd say, oh, he's trying to hit a finesse short shot here. So show me at setup what you're trying to do here. The wider your feet get, the further that you're telling me you're going to hit this shot. Yeah, that's right. great right there. Yep. Um, so yeah, keep going. I was just going to say, I, I think I would fall off my couch if I ever saw Bryson post a video of him hitting a short game shot. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he might be listening. He's watched a few times. I, yeah. So I would say, I would say air for, for this pitch shot. I would say air on the side of feet being too close together. Okay. All right. All right. So now, okay. So we're, we got the shaft pretty neutral. Again, not a ton of lean. Correct. And then ball forward. 
and now we're ready to kind of create. So now, so now we go back to, we go back to our bump and run motion where we were starting it with our bigger muscles, with our torso, our rib cage, our lats, uh, your core, however you want your trunk, however you want to visualize it. It's got to be something in that upper body. That's, that's really the, the engine of this swing. So no hinge. Uh, I like, I like minimal hinge. I think, I think hinge is where we kind of get, get into some weird stuff here. Um, you know, again, for such a short swing, you, you see your swing right there. Shaft gets to parallel at the top and that's it. Right. So if you're going to hinge it, you better unhinge that thing. So the shaft, so, so the lead wrist is not as much, it's, it's got a little angle. Correct. And would it be safe to say that that angle here between the shaft and is kind of constant? I would constant. say, I would say if you're, I would say if you're pivoting properly, it stays fairly constant for a, constant. a standard vanilla pitch shot. Yep. Constant, constant. And that's the, and that's, all the angle we need to with the ball position and obviously the loft to elevate it. Yep. Yep. And you'll, you'll find yourself actually getting more spin than what you think. But one of the drills I like to do is I'll put this thing in my belly button like this, the butt end of the club and I'll, and I'll get into my posture and I'll pit, I'll pivot to the top. I'll pivot back to impact and I'll pivot on the way through. Yeah. And this sort of gives me a relationship as a, this is where I want to be on my through swing. This is where I'm going to be at impact and I'm going to be in the same place on my backswing. So yeah, to me, it, it, you really don't need to, for that standard vanilla pitch shot as our sort of foundational shot. You really don't need a ton of, of wrist play in this shot. See, I think that's I think, really, I have a feeling, I mean, there's a lot of, there's going to be a, a ton of nuggets in here, but um the amateur player listening and watching right now, what he just said right there to me is probably going to be the most valuable part of this. And this is huge because you know how much this shot can mean to a mid handicap, right? For sure. Um, and I think the, the amount of wrist hinge that we'll see right in, in this club working up through this left wrist and going back to this example of in increasing that angle it's a higher risk, right? Like it's a, it's a, it's a higher risk type of shot. You may, it's a, it's a shot. You need it at times, but vanilla pitch that's going to handle, let's say 60, 70% of shots in collection areas. Right. Would you say that's a safe yep. number? 60, 70%. Yep. And again, we're talking, we're talking, uh, we're talking shots off of a fairway lie, right? right. A tight, a tight fairway lie. So one of, one of my players, Keith Mitchell, um, we've been, we've been working together for about a year and a half now. And he, you know, when, when we started his, his numbers were sort of all over the place. It was, you know, he was 200th to 210th on, on shots gained around the green. And as we started working at, you know, we started to, to sort of figure out, um, and he was doing some work with Bob Rotella as well, but it was like, Keith, you're one of the best drivers of the golf ball on the planet. What do you do with your driver? He says, I, I hit a two yard fade on every single hole. That's just what I do. And I'm like, well, why are you trying to hit 12 different shots from a fairway lie around the green? And so all of a sudden he started to realize, all right, what if we just nail this vanilla pitch shot? Yeah. And so now he told me, he told me a, a, about a month ago, he's like, man, he's like 85% of my shots around the green. I'm hitting this vanilla pitch shot. There you go. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden he's gone from, 210th to now he's like 70th in strokes gained around the green last year. So 
Yep. He, just by simplifying the whole thing and saying, oh, I'm going to hit my vanilla pitch shot. Now, he does some variations with it, which is sort of like, you know, we're talking 101 right now. He's at 102, 103, 104, yeah. you know, as far as classes go. But, you know, he, he'll, vary, he'll vary it with open face and he'll vary it with the length mm-hmm. of his backswing. But it's, it's the same vanilla pitch shot type of theory where he can still put a ton of spin on the ball. He's clipping it nicely. He's has no worry about turf interaction. I mean, I'm, I'm watching this guy clip it off of into the grain yeah. Bermuda tight. And I'm like, wow, it's just like, it's, it's next level. So anyway, I just think the vanilla pitch shot is sort of yeah. like, this is where we start. Yeah. And, and this is huge. I mean, 85%, think about that people listening, Keith Mitchell, right? Georgia bulldog, great player, PGA tour player, been out there a long time. He's telling you that, you set up with that shaft pretty neutral and, and keep that left wrist fairly constant, you know, and what feels constant may have a little play. I mean, for sure. But, but the idea is that that angle's constant at address here over here. And you're just turning. I'm telling you, man, that's bullet. It's apps. It's bulletproof on how that club is going to interact. Now, let me ask you this. I, as far as do you, as far as the spine being neutral, slightly right, slightly left, I tend to, it seems like I tend to, to get people to control the bottom where it's, where the, I should say the point of entry, um, especially if that ball is up a little, I'd want to keep them pretty neutral and maybe even just a touch open in the shoulders to, to kind of get the sternum to maybe be more on top of the ball. Is that something you like or, or, or you just kind of let them drift where they want to go? I would, I would say that, you know, for, for the amateur golfer, most people that I see come into me with far too much weight forward, far too much weight forward usually means the spine's going to end up tilting backwards. Yeah. yeah it's going to end up tilting backwards at some point through impact. Mm-hmm. So I, I try to just get them in a more neutral spot. And then I, and then I try to encourage them to then work as much as they want to the target. Yeah. Because I think, I think, yeah, not back. Right. Right. But I think the back comes from weight too far forward, which has been sort of wrongly preached for the last 40 years um, in in sort of every, every chipping tip you, you, you see in every, every golf magazine, it's like, get your weight forward, get your weight forward. I'm like, the only thing that's going to do is help you hit ball first. Right. If that's your really your goal, it's going to help you hit ball first. It's going to, it's going to steepen your angle of attack and it's going to help you hit ball first. To me, uh, uh, you, you steepen your angle of attack and you hit ball first. You're probably not going to have a ton of softness to that shot. Yeah. Which is, which is sort of, you know, especially if you're a player that, um, you know, that, that has the issue of potentially sticking it in the ground. The last thing you want to do is start leaning more forward. Yeah. Right. Like that, that's just going to right. steepen your angle of attack and, and, and encourage more of that, that steep blow to the, to the golf ball. Or going forward in the backswing. Correct. I see that a lot as well. You know, that's, I, I tend, that's, I tend to do that a little bit where, and I see that with players, they'll kind of go back and then you kind of see them go forward. And then as they come down, then they have, they feel the need to kind of go the other way. And then the handle, and then the handle drags as well. The handle starts leaning forward as the head goes back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so we've got that shot, and, and I'll tell you, like it's it's the interaction, fifty six degrees, maybe a touch open, just managing that angle. 
you'll feel friction, right? You'll feel the that the grooves aren't clipping it and, and that club head getting out of the ground and that and and it's like you, you can't wait to hit that shot. And and you feel like you can hit it with some speed and speed will create spin. And it's like one of those shots that when you get it down, man, it's a, it's a game changer because look, let's face it, we're all in the collection areas. I mean, we all are going to get down in those areas and it's like, I can't hit the low one, but I need something that's just, you know, up a little. Yeah. But you don't want to hit, you don't want to, you don't want to hit that risky flop shot. right? Right. And so this is that shot you go to where if you can trust the bottom of your arc and you can trust that you're delivering it shallow. Now all of a sudden that turf interaction becomes really, really nice and really easy. Um, and, and so for me, it's just one, of, it's just one of those shots that it's sort of like, Hey, this is sort of your go-to shot. Yeah. And now with the, with the, with the agronomy, everything's being cut so tight these days because the golf courses are so well manicured that, you know, you just sort of find yourself in these spots time after time. And yeah, if it's in a collection area and you got some mud under it or whatever, you can always grab a hybrid or grab a seven iron and hit a bump and run. That's totally fine. Or even a putter. Right. But if, if it's one of those shots where you can't hit that club, if it's wet in the morning or whatever it might be, or the grass might be a fraction longer. Now all of a sudden you want to hit that little shot that you can trust the bounce and you can trust it to have a little bit of loft and a little bit of softness once it lands on the green. All right, let's go to the third shot. So I've got, got the low one, got the one that came up a little bit. Where would you go on the next one? So the next one is, is going to be the higher one. Um, and I've got a couple of different things where I, where I can, I, I manage it. So I'll start, I'll start obviously with that club face pretty open, uh, probably 30, 35 degrees open. I'll start with the shaft in a neutral spot. Um, if anything, I may, I may even drop it back just a hair. Um, and then I, I actually tend to get a little closer to this one. Uh, you know, conventional wisdom, you know, may say get further away from it, but I'll actually get a fraction closer to it. This is going to help me engage the toe more. This is great for off of a tight lie, right? If, if you're in a rough trying to hit this shot, then by all means get further away from it. But if you're in off of a tight lie, uh, for me, I like to get a fraction closer to it. This is going to help me engage the toe and disengage the heel. The heels for me is going to dig. So I like to get a fraction closer to this one. Um, and, and yes, I, I may be taking a bit of loft away from the, from the club by doing that, but I'm going to help build it with my backswing being long, right? If I can build a lo- nice long backswing, it's going to help me sort of have time to re-engage and, and deliver more loft at impact. In the backswing. So as I, as I get, as I build the backswing, is it, is it kind of chest? It's, it's arm? more, it's more, more, arm, more arms arm. and hands in this one. Yeah. Yeah. It's more arms and a hands release here. Independent. So bo- okay. yeah, bodies, body's still moving but the arms and the hands are, are driving this one a bit more in my mind. Okay. So I'm swinging my arms. Yep. And I'm letting my left wrist hinge a little bit more. Correct. One thing, what, one thing that's kind of nice when, when it is more arms and hands is, is the face tends to rotate a little bit more open. Yep. It's kind of nice, right? The question Absolutely. I get a lot. I posted this video of, of Victor Hovland or a picture and it showed Hovland you know, I mean, Hovland is learning how to do a lot of these things we're talking about. 
to get that relief at the bottom. You know, he's such a thumper of the golf ball and digs this way. And like he, that's how he hit a short game shot. I mean, he would take it back, the face would be down and everything would be with the leading edge. So it's hard to get that relief and throw it up. And I showed a picture of a seven iron going back, which was there, the face. And then I showed a picture of this greenside pitch where he had some arm swings and it was more there. The toe was more up, you know? So that independency of that arms and hands rotating that face more this way versus the body turning and now he's loading and you'll get more of that look, right? As he turns to the top. But that yeah, rotation a bit of-, of the face going back is pretty vital. Yeah. And a bit of that is, is wrist conditions. You know, he, he's sort of one of those players that likes to kind of get those knuckles kind of working down and, and then he needs to change that for his, a bit of his short game stuff. So he, he gets those knuckles maybe a bit more up for, for those softer shots. So I'm swinging the arms and hands, rotating the face from here. Club's just going to fall. I'm just going to let it. Am I going to? Yeah. I gonna, no pull. I'm not. No yeah, pull. you're not. You're definitely not, definitely not pulling at all. You're almost feeling a bit more like the club is pitching out, right? The club head is pitching out that way. Lot, lot similar, very similar to a bunker shot. Yep, you're feeling that motion there. You're feeling like that club head wants to win the race to the golf ball and not right. the handle. So I'm, 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 I'm swinging this one. One of the, yeah, that's. I mean, that's gorgeous. One of the things that I like to visualize, I think. Justin Thomas does it really well where he, he really manages his, his, the speed of his swing. So when he's, when he's hitting those, those high ones, he's managing the speed, right? So if you take a long backswing, you're obviously going to hit the ball further. Yeah. So I, I need to manage my, I need to manage the tempo of my swing in this shot. And so I, I just, I'm feeling like it's more like tick tock, tick tock, tick tock. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's, you know, 50, 60% speed to try to then allow myself to sort of manage the ball speed in that, in that, in that fashion through open club face and then tempo of the swing on this one. Yeah. It's, it's, um, I don't want to say it's like a lazy swing, but it's, it's, there's, there's a sense of like, like heavy ropes to your arms, right? Like for sure. Heavy, heavy turn the chest with it. Yes. Right. You're not, you're not letting it pass. Like you're, you're still going with it with the chest. The chest, would you say is always going with it? Yes. Yes. The chest is going with it, but I don't think that the chest is leading in this particular, in this particular shot. It's not a, it's not a body release here. Like it was with our bump and run, like right. it was with our pitch shot. That's more of a body release here. It's more of an arms and a hands release. Very similar to like bunker shot. Would you ever show me back up now? Can that that's that's the higher one? It's interesting. Like oftentimes, amateurs can be better at that shot versus the middle one. You know, like they can. Yeah, I can hit it up in the air. Watch this. You know, like way up. But then the, the vanilla one, you know, it just has way too many moving parts to be good at it. Right to have that trajectory and spin and distance control where it like that's the one you should be getting up and down. And that's the one we're gutting and hitting behind it and all those things. But yeah, and then they get in the rough and they're like, watch this lob shot. And they get that on the green to like 25 feet. So it's not always, but, but it's interesting how sometimes that lob can be one that they can hit. Um, yeah. I, yeah I'll, I'll, I'll interrupt you there for one yeah, second. Yeah. I, I do. I do find that people tend to be really good. They, they cut, they come to me and they're like, I'm terrible at a pitch shot, but I'm great out of the bunker. I'm like, makes sense, right? Yeah. Bunker's more hands. 
pitch shot, they're trying to get the hands in there and they can't find the bottom, right? right. They can't, they can't get their turf interaction. Correct. So it, it's one or the other, or someone will come to me and they're like, I'm pretty good with my bump and runs, but I'm terrible out of the bunker. Yeah. And so, you know, I always kind of go back to like, you know, you look at a Phil Mickelson, unbelievable bunker player, unbelievable hitting those high shots over bunkers or over yeah. trees, those flop shots, incredible. But, you know, I think Brandel Chambly told me the stat that Phil Mickelson never finished in the top 20 and strokes gained around the green in his career. So that simple pitch shot, that simple motion, he wasn't necessarily hitting it as close as some of the other guys. Now, Phil might have made those six, eight, 10 footers, yeah, but he was never really hitting it that close from some of those simple, those simple spots. And, it, and it's a different... Uh, it's a different release pattern and a, and a totally different mentality for hitting a flop shot, hitting a bunker shot versus hitting a pitch shot, hitting a bump and run shot. Two very different motions, two very different releases for those shots. I think it's a good point because uh, Phil, I mean, he kind of, he talked a lot about the hinge and hold, right? And that concept and the hold implying like, you know, obviously we know what the hinge is, but then the hold would apply that the shaft would kind of stay in line with that lead arm as he would. Which he did, yeah. And so that was his feel, but the, the reality of it was, it was more of a hinge, a release. And then what he felt like was a hold, right? Cause if you just, if you just hinged it and then right. held and rotated, you went, you'd whiff the golf ball. Right. right. No, it's so going to, it's, it's going to come back. It's a hinge. Yeah. It's a, it's a full release. And then he, what he felt like was a hold. So I think it was a bit more of like a, Hey, this is what I'm feeling, right? Not what, not what's actually happening. You certainly see more now, and it's a good point. And I want to finish with this, where it's like, and we're kind of into these little pitching motions now, where, you know, you see most of the technique now taught is like here, club comes back, and then it's like soft over here, right? And that lead elbow, left wrist can be soft on this side as I turn through. And where Phil would have probably kept that more in line. You know, he wouldn't have let it soften as much. And you could see him hit those shots where he'd finish like this. I mean, it would be mm -hmm. down, shaft, the whole bit. Um, and like that's, and he would hit high shots doing that. And that would be like his hinge and hold, his technique, very different than what we're seeing now. No, let it pass into this release, which I tend to like more. But I do like in, in from a full swing perspective, it's interesting when you're teaching people to hit it with a little more lean, because we know like in the full swing, you know, there's, there's a lot of this dumping and they're hitting it like this. And that's why they can hit the lob shot, but they, but it's also why they turn their seven iron into a nine iron. Right. And they lose distance. So what I, one of the things I'll do with them is I'll get them to like, take these little swings where it's like, in, now we're talking a little more full swing where it's like, okay, we get to here face square. I want you to turn the weight left. And I want you to feel like when you turn, you kind of just keep things down. And as they keep things down, it's, it's kind of suggesting that they don't throw it, but they turn and, they, and the wrist structure stays better and they have a little more shaft lean. And it's always interesting when they can do that in the full swing, like, man, that impact zone gets really clean, you know, and it looks so much better. And they're like, wow, I'm hitting it as far doing that as I was taking a full swing. And, and it's like, well, because now, you know, you've actually de-lofted it two degrees versus adding f five degrees of loft. So there is some difference, you know, in full swing and, and sometimes when you're training some of those things versus when you're developing short game and you always have to kind of take into consideration who you're dealing with um, 
But I do find it interesting, Phil, who, you know, let's face it, is, is, a, is a great short game player, um, you know, would hit so many shots like this around the green, you know, and kind of holding it down, but yet then also had that full swing where he could just let it and obviously throw it up into the stratosphere and his touch was so good. Point being, there's different releases. There's different ways to go about it. But I think it's fair to say, Parker, that for the amateur player, look, you know, let's let's create an environment where for the most part, like, okay, the point of entry is good, but then we want to get some relief at the bottom because we don't want that, you know, that that so much time in and time out. If we can decompress that out of you, man, you can hit these beautiful little pitch shots and you can throw it way up in the air and even in the bunker. Would you take this technique into the bunker too, where it's, you, you kind of have this longer, heavier rope turning through? Is that Does that apply into the sand? Uh, the, the same release does. I, w- I wouldn't want to feel like it's a heavy rope on my arms because I want my arms to to have some have some spice to them and, ha- and have some freedom and some elasticity to it because I, I definitely want some like some whip, right? Yeah. Because the, the bunkers, t- they tend to have more resistance. They, they, it's, you're going to be slowed down through the sand. So you got to provide more speed there than you would off of a fairway lie. So I would say, I would say I would want some speed and some elasticity in the arms. Now I would, I would say like lazy hands, but like lazy hands in that they're not structured on the way through. They're just right. like, they're allowed to release. They're going to release fast, but they're yep. allowed to release. I would say like to go to the opposite point of like Phil Mickelson, very handsy, great out of the bunker, great on those flop shots. Uh, his sort of hinge and hold method. Um, you know, I'd say, you know, some were, some were good. Some he sort of left to be desired, but I would say the opposite to that would be a Steve Stricker right? Yeah. Unbelievable out of the fairway from two yards off the green all the way to 50, 60, 70. Absolutely phenomenal, right? Because he he had very little risk on a lot of body. And so he was one of those types of players where super shallow and was able to clip it off the fairway lies every time and managed his distances really well, where someone like Phil who built a bunch of hinge and then felt like he was holding his distance control was 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 a bit off, and in, in, in my mind, it wasn't quite as as good as someone like a Steve Stricker. Obviously, right. Phil's still unbelievable, but but it just wasn't quite as 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 matched up as Steve Stricker was in my mind. Right. But but right. Stricker, I think, struggles out of really thick rough mm-hmm. because you have to build an angle of attack that's much steeper out of thick rough. Right, and that's where we're getting a little more of this play, right? Yeah, exactly right. Which is why which is why Phil. You know, even though he didn't win a U.S. Open, was always phenomenal at U.S. Yeah. Open. Six second places, he was phenomenal because he'd get in that really thick rough, and he had a, a nice steep angle of attack, which allowed him to get up and down from everywhere because they always had that really high rough at the U.S. Opens. Yeah, it's interesting. Like in a bunker, that in a green side, again, amateur here player, I sometimes I, I've been kind of doing a lot of this where like they'll I'll get him to swing through, and I think we're much more square out of the bunker in theory than you know maybe when we were younger it was like i can remember hitting bunk, like this vanilla bunker shot and i'm set up like this you know i mean you know the face is going that way and i'm going that way um and we're definitely it feels like more square you even see players in there with a little bit closed at times um so that's for another day but i do like in a bunker you get them in there and like 
you'll see a lot of action where they're swinging up and they're, you know, finishing up there. Oftentimes I, I'll give them this destination, like, look, just turn through, give me this kind of this tighter acceleration through impact. And we're just going to kind of finish over here off this hip, you know, and it's like this, like the ceiling is the shoulder, you know, give me some arm swing, give me some hinge. But like you said, a little spice in the arms, some tight acceleration kind of over to here. And it's like, you know, it just pops up and like, well, I don't need all this up here. No, just kind of like let it fall, release and just over here with, with, with some speed in the chest and some spice in the arms. And man, it feels like they're doing less and the ball just pops straight up, you know, and, and, and comes out and they're like, Oh wow, that's all I need to do. I don't, I don't need all this up here. I can just kind of, I cut it off per se to them. You like that? Yeah. I, I, yeah. I would say, I would say, you know, the release uh, in the bunker is so, is so important to be able to hit high ones, to be able to get that club out of the sand. I would say, you know, part, part of this website that I'm launching is, is about helping people to modernize their short game. And like, like you had talked about um, earlier with, with sort of like the, the, the chipping, right. It was yeah. like you and you and I were both taught, you know, let's, let's aim our bodies left. Let's lean the shaft forward, ball back in the stand. I'm trying to help modernize that same thing in the bunker. We're, we're about modernizing the bunker game. And so what we do in the bunker is we don't set up way left anymore. We don't get the face way to the right with the handle forward. We, we're, we're totally changing that. And so, um, you know, my whole mission, you know, in, in the last sort of couple of years has been like, it's about modernizing the short game. It's about <laughs> taking what the best players in the world are doing and helping the amateur golfer understand what it is they're doing and why they're doing it. Because the tour players are doing these things because it's stacking the odds in their favor, right? It's golf is so hard that it's like tour players are doing anything they can to stack the odds in their favor so that they can have a better chance of success when they mess up. That's the whole key. That's why you use the bounce out of the bunker. That's why you use the bounce out of a fairway lie to stack the odds in your favor in case you miss hit it. Because we're all going to miss hit it. We're all, we're all human. We're all going to make mistakes. So if you can put yourself in a spot where you can stack the odds in your favor, then now the bounce is engaged. You, ha you have a little bit of relief there and this ball could still come out to within six feet. And that's what the tour players are looking for. They're not looking to hit the highest difficulty shot. That's right. not the point. They're looking to stack the odds in their favor. And I think amateur golfers can learn from what the tour players are doing. And my whole mission has been, let's modernize the short game and let, let me help you understand why the tour players why the themes of what they're doing are very similar and why, why are they doing these things to stack the odds in their favor? Tell my audience again, your website, shortgamechef.com. Awesome. Good stuff, man. I can go forever. We'll do it again. I know you're busy. You're uh, you're at, where are you at? Whisper rock. Uh, yeah. Doing a little, doing a little golfing today at whisper rock with the, uh, the tournament director from uh, the Barracuda championship there in town doing their, their, their meetings for, yeah. uh, for the PGA tour. So. Uh, awesome, man. I'm going to get a, get a little download as to uh, how things are going. Awesome. Well, I appreciate your time. Thanks for being on uh, again. We'll do it again next year, but you'll be here in what, three months for the players. We'll, we'll get you in studio and you can, um, you can beat my short game up because I can, I, I need it. I get, I'm still trying to get some of this out, you know, 
we, it's always, we all are, man. It's, it's, all, always, it's in always in there. We always are. And that, and that's one of the things that I'll finish with this. Like for me, I'm always better out of a bunker hitting those high flop shots. When I get to those standard vanilla pitch shots, I continually have to remind myself, okay, <laughs> shaft's got to be here. I got to use my body more. I got to deliver it here and I can't drag because right. I grew up in the same generation as you where it was like, I wanted to do that. I wanted to do that. And so even, even for someone like myself, who's been doing it for so long and now I'm teaching it, I still got to remind myself of this and I still make mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. It's been, so, you so, know, so, we've evolved a lot in full swing and, but the short game, probably even more so there's a lot of, there's been a, it, there's been it, a modern, like you said, you're modernizing the short game. And, and I just think a full shift over the last 15, 20 years, which is good. You live and learn. And I think we're, uh, we're in as good a shape as we've been from an industry standpoint. I think what's out there and, and what's being taught and utilizing the club the right way. And, but also not, not getting too far into the weeds. And that's what I wanted to do in this podcast today was look, here's, you know, here's three shots, you know, and, and don't, don't be insulted that it's one one I mean, like that greenside pitch that we talked about, I'm telling you, like, a game that shot, if you hit that shot, you are way ahead of the curve. I mean, way ahead of the curve when it comes totally to, agree i mean and, and look i mean keith mitchell 85 percent of the time all right man go play golf enjoy the day thanks for being here pxg has done it again with the launch of a new lineup of drivers fairways hybrids and irons the new gen 5 golf clubs deliver significantly increased moi faster ball speeds longer distances and tighter dispersions all coupled what the exceptional feel and sound golfers have come to expect from PXG. Schedule your custom fitting or buy online at pxg.com.